It is Amber and Ian, but it is Keith Irizarry and Jake Asman with you. 888-SAY-SPAN-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Jake, what would you do if I just gave you $325 million? Would you be happy? Well, Keith, I wouldn't be uh, talking (laughs) to you right now, that's for sure. No, I think you would be here, you'd be talking to me, and you'd be, you know, figuring out where to invest it. Uh, It's been the storyline of the last two weeks in all of sports, right? Everyone, every network, everywhere, water coolers, wherever you are, people are talking about Yamamoto, where he was going to ultimately sign. And now we know. It's 12 years, $325 million, the L.A. Dodgers. What was your reaction to that? It's just shocking to see the amount of money, right? I don't think it's necessarily shocking that the Dodgers got one of the top players on the market. It's just shocking to see the amount of money a guy who's never thrown a pitch in Major League Baseball is getting. Like, if you're someone who's just a casual baseball fan, you know, maybe you get into it during the playoffs. Maybe you kind of have your team and you don't really pay attention to the rest of the league because baseball has been, you know, super regional over the last decade plus you see the money amount, and you realize that it's more money ever given to any pitcher ever, and the guy's never thrown a pitch in the major leagues before. I think that's the most shocking aspect of all this. And then you factor in, of course, the news last week that Shohei Otani signed a deal for $700 million. I know (laughs) most of it's deferred, but still, I mean, we're talking about a billion dollars invested in the two Japanese players. It really is unbelievable when you take a step back and look at it. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like you, from a human standpoint, $1 $1 billion being spent on people to play a kid's game. And it's a business, and we get it. And the money is there, and none of us would ever turn it down. But it just feels – and I was telling you this before we got in the air. It almost feels icky. And I know that's a weird word to use, but it feels weird that someone is able to make that amount of money and these this duo of people are making this type of money – And that the L.A. Dodgers, who are a team that already has lots of great players worth lots of money. I mean, Mookie, 12 years, 365. Freeman, 6 for 162. Glasnow, who just comes over now, 5 years, a little bit over $136 million. And then, of course, Otani and Yamamoto. And it gets us thinking about this whole super team thing, right? So super teams. In general, Jake, are you a super team supporter or are you usually against it? So this is a weird answer, Keith, and I'll tell you why. I, I was like ag- weird answers. I, like, I'm a weird guy, so if you figure, you're going to get a weird take here. I was against it for the NBA. Like, I couldn't stand the Golden State Warriors, where it just you knew every year that team with Durant, Curry, Thompson, Draymond, you knew they were going to go to the NBA Finals, and sure enough, they did. This, to me, is a little different when it comes to baseball, because unlike, you know, basketball, where if you put together a super team, you know, more times than not, that team's at least going to get to the finals, at least get to the championship round, have a chance to win. With baseball, we've seen over the past decade, 14 different teams have made a World Series and nine different teams have won. So, honestly, it's going to make it oh so sweeter when the Dodgers lose in the NLDS to, like, you know, an 85-win Cincinnati Reds team next year. Because just because you put together a team (laughs) that's supposed to be a super team in baseball, it really doesn't work that way. So I'm not against it because I think this kind of rallies the country, if you're not a Dodger fan, against the Dodgers. Because just because, as you see, you have a super team in baseball, it doesn't work that way. And you and I grew up in the New York area. So, like, we know about the Yankees, the evil empire. And, and then if you live in the New York area, you have to root against things in Boston. And guess what? The New England Patriots were the dominant team for so long. I'm so with you on this one because super teams in baseball 
we can show you the track record. Besides the late 90s and the early 2000s Yankees, it typically does not work. You look at the teams that are spending all the money as of late. The Padres last year, how'd that go for them? Not so well. The Mets, how's that going for them? Not so well. The recent Yankees, not so well. And it's because there's so many pieces to all these baseball teams. Because you could have five great hitters, two great pitchers, three great pitchers, one gets hurt, two guys get in a slump, you like, you know, Mookie and Freddie didn't hit well during the postseason. And the next thing you know, you lose in a series. Yeah, this is not a slam dunk that they're suddenly, let's just crown the L.A. Dodgers. It's not a slam dunk. No doubt. And when you think about it, like you brought up those Yankees teams in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s. That's the last time we've actually had a repeat winner in Major League Baseball. Yeah. And, you know, I did radio for Houston in five years in the midst of this like, golden era of the Astros, you know, uh, prominence where they went to seven straight ALCSs. They went to the World Series four times during that run. They only won two championships, and one is clearly tainted due to the cheating scandal in 2017. So that, to me, was like the most dominant team that we have seen in baseball since those Yankees teams, and they still only won. I, I say only, but it's still two championships, and you have people now talking about, well, if the Dodgers don't win five, you know, it, wa- it wasn't worth it, all this money they spent, but it just shows you that you could put together the best team on paper in baseball all you want. It- it's so tough to just guarantee any championships because, once again, only the Yankees in the late 90s, early 2000s have actually repeated as a champion, and that was when the Yankees won three straight from you know 98 to 2000. ESPN bet odds to win the World Series. Dodgers plus 450. The Braves are 7-1. to one. The Yankees are 9-1. to one. And I feel pretty comfortable with those odds, by the way. I think the Dodgers clearly should be the favorite going into next season. Our own ESPN MLB insider, Jeff Passan, was on SportsCenter with SVP last night. Uh, let's listen in. The Dodgers are getting a, an anomaly. Uh, you know, Yoshinobu Yamamoto is five foot ten and 176 pounds and throws right-handed. And generally, when you have those physical characteristics, you're talking about a guy who sort of nibbles on the edges. No, Yamamoto is a power pitcher in the making of Pedro Martinez and Tim Lincecum and other small guys who know how to impart power on the baseball. So what the Dodgers have gotten, quite simply, is probably one of the 10 best pitchers in the world. This is the Dodgers assembling the Avengers and putting together the super team they hope to end all super teams in Los Angeles. Are they the super team that'll end all super teams, Jake? I don't think they are because once again, this is still Major League Baseball where we have not seen these super teams win more than, you know, a championship here and then it, it and then it falls off and even still you brought up some great examples like the Yankees haven't won anything. The Mets put together the most expensive team of all time last year and you know they didn't even finish over 500. They were sellers at the MLB trade deadline. So, look, the Dodgers are going to be a great team in the regular season, but we have seen in the playoffs now in baseball with the extra rounds being added it really, at the end of the day, becomes a crapshoot. And the one pushback I would have, Keith, on this super team for the Dodgers would be, yes, eventually Otani's going to pitch for them. But for this year, he's just a DH. He's just a yeah. hitter. And he's a very, very good hitter, but he's not a hitter worth $700 million. His value is that he's a two-way player. For at least this year coming up, he's only just a hitter. He's not pitching this year. So I still have some questions about the rotation for the Dodgers. I mean, Tyler Glasnow's playoff ERA is an abomination. I have no idea what Yamamoto is going to be at the big league level. What if it takes him a year or two to really settle in to be this dominant, you know, can't-miss ace? He's never thrown a pitch in Major League Baseball, and he's got more pressure on him than maybe anyone getting the contract that is greater than anyone's ever received. So as good as they are on paper, there still are questions with the Dodgers. And at the end of the day, we've said it, 
the playoffs are a different animal, man. It's a total crapshoot, it feels like, when it comes down to a short series. Well, yeah, and there's other excellent teams. All right, so I'm just looking at the Braves' depth chart right now. If you if I tell you you have Matt Olson at first, Albies at second, Riley is playing third, is at shortstop, he's fine. Rosario has had his moments in the postseason. Harris is really good. Acuna Jr. just won the MVP in the, in the National League. Like, Spencer Strider for the better part of last year, was the front runner to win the Cy Young. Max Fried went healthy is excellent. Uncle Charlie is fine. Bryce Elder has had his moments in the majors. Like, that's still an excellent baseball team that could stand in the way of this, you know, billion-dollar organization. No doubt. And they have they had the pedigree of just being in the World Series the last couple of years, winning a championship. A lot of those guys were there for that. So they're still going to be in the mix. And there's always a team or two that seemingly comes out of nowhere. I mean, everyone is so quick to write off every other team in the National League. There's going to be teams that will be able to make moves. And, and we've seen, you know, you get hot in a short series, you know, anything could happen. Just look at the, the Diamondbacks last year who went all the way to the World Series. So it, it, it's still, look, I, I think ultimately when you talk about, like, is this good for baseball? I could argue it actually is because now it gives everyone who's maybe not all in on following baseball, like a common enemy or common team to root against. The Yankees were that team for years. Then maybe the Astros kind of became that team because of the cheating scandal and the you know the, the flack they got following that. But now I just feel like if you're not a Dodger fan, like they might be the most hated team by far in Major League Baseball. Or jump on the bandwagon. Just be like, you know what? I'm all in. I've always loved the L.A. Dodgers. <laughs> by the way, you know, speaking of you know L.A. and you know Hollywood, how about Shohei Otani going to this Rams game last night? They're showing Smart him man. off. They're giving him the jersey. It's like hey, this guy's been in L.A. for six years, but I guess the Angels don't count. They're like showing Shohei around L.A. Like now he's finally in L.A. because he's a Dodger. It's like, well, what, I mean, do the Angels don't count? I mean, I know it's you know Orange County, but I mean, it's I mean, if you're an Angel fan, what a slap in the face that they're treating Otani like he's new to uh, new to Los Angeles. If I were an Angels fan, I would have been so heated watching that. That would have ticked me off. Uh, all right, uh, ESPN Radio, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. You can hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-729-3776, 888-SAY-ESPN. Uh, if you guys want to chime in on Yamamoto and the L.A. Dodgers, we would love to hear from you. Coming up, the Dodgers, they are the clear favorites, but what do they need to do? For these mega deals to kind of pay off, Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. We'll be right back. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! Splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. 
Hey, remember, be a part of Amber and Ian Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us at 888-SAY-ESPN, and that is 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It is not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold. Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. We're talking about uh, some soda there. Let, can we peel back the curtain, Jake, for a second? Jake Asman, Keith, or is Ari with you? Uh, so we got Harry behind the scenes, and he's producing the show, and he's just talking about food throughout the entire commercial break. And uh, your response was, you know, we're working until 10. I'm starving now because Harry's talking about like oxtail and crock pots and all this kind of stuff. It sounds like in Bristol they're serving like five course meals to these producers behind the scenes. I mean, this is unbelievable. Hey, man, I, I, I love to cook and Cam indulges me when I ask him cooking questions. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I I'm going to make you guys hungry over the course of the next three hours. It's fine. What's your specialty for cooking, Harry? My favorite things to cook are lasagna, and recently it's been uh, short rib served on mashed potatoes, and that is probably my new favorite food. Wow. Nice. I, I, I am a steak and potatoes guy, so you've won me over. It's essentially fancy steak and potatoes. Yeah. You and I officially can be best friends. We can go do karate in the garage if you'd like. <laughs> I, okay. I, I, I get the reference. All right. <laughs> All right, Jake, let's dive back into it. And we'll talk some NFL a little bit later in this hour. But uh, the storyline we've been talking a lot about is Yamamoto choosing the L.A. Dodgers. Before you and I talk a little bit more about it, let's hear from our own ESPN MLB analyst on SportsCenter from this morning, Buster Only. This is someone who wants to be great, someone who absolutely burns to be part of something great. And look, if you're a free agent and you're looking at what the Dodgers have done over the last 11 years, making the playoffs every single year, and you look at what they're building, Mookie Betts, MVP, Freddie Freeman, MVP, and then they add Shohei Otani. If you're a pitcher, you're going to be throwing to Will Smith. There is greatness ahead for the Dodgers, and I think he was attracted to that. What I've been told by folks in his campus. Look, he was getting competitive offers from all these teams that were involved in the bidding. He could have got a lot of money from the Mets. He could have got a lot of money from the Yankees. In the end, it seems like that he chose the path where he has the best avenue to get to the greatness that he absolutely loves. Jake, do you begrudge him at all for that? That was Buster Olney uh, speaking on SportsCenter. Do you begrudge Yamamoto for choosing what could end up being the easiest path to a World Series? Look, I, I don't begrudge anyone who maybe is more comfortable playing for one, a really good team. The Dodgers have been an excellent team the last five to six years, you know, whether you want to try and discredit their, you know, their 2020 COVID season championship or not. The fact of the matter is, you know, over the last five years, they won over a hundred games in every full season. Uh, I mean, they are a great team. I, I just don't know if he went to the Dodgers because, oh, you know, he wanted to be great and he wanted to play for a great team. Like, uh, all, all the speculation with Yamamoto, like, I, I got I to gotta hear from the guy. Like, what what was important to him? Was it maybe, I don't know, L.A. is a lot closer than playing in New York? It'd be a lot easier for him to, you know, maintain a relationship with his family and friends back in Japan if he plays on the West Coast as opposed to playing all the way on the East Coast. We heard for, you know, months that Shohei Otani really valued being on the West Coast for that reason. So, I would just want to hear from Yamamoto what specifically was his biggest asking, uh, you know, or biggest need. Because let's be real, if he went to the Yankees, he would have a chance to win every year. The Yankees have been in the playoffs almost every single year since, you know, the, the, the early 90s. So he would have a legitimate chance there as well. And, 
he would be maybe the biggest international star on that team. With the Dodgers, he's always going to be number two behind Otani. So I, I want to hear from him because I don't know yeah. why he chose the Dodgers. It might simply be, hey, they're closer to Japan and they offered me the most money. And that's why he did it. Good for him. There's nothing wrong with that. It also sounds like after the World Baseball Classic, for the first time that a, a lot of those the, the players on on you know Otani's team got a chance to play with him now that he's super world star, right? And he is like the dude, he's the guy. And maybe Yoshi just wanted to play with Otani. He wants to, he could also, you know what? I mean, and, and we both, you know, went to college and, and you've moved a few different places and think about it. Like, isn't it easier when you, like when you left New York and you went to your first stop was Houston. Am I correct about that? Correct. Yep. Yeah. Would it have been easier if you went to Houston and one of your either close friends or a mentor of yours was already there and would have been able to take you under the wing right away? Hundred percent. I mean, if you if you had that if you had that, you're more comfortable moving to a, a new place. And for him, it's moving to a new country, which is obviously yeah. a different dynamic than moving to a different state. Yeah. All right. So the follow up here now is, and I think it's it's kind of a burning question: How does this? get deemed as successful, right? Because over a billion dollars being spent in this offseason by the LA Dodgers, and you bring in Glass now, who, when he's on, he's an ace. And Yamamoto is supposed to be an ace. And Otani is maybe the best baseball player we all that are alive right now have ever seen. You know, he, he might literally be the best player we've ever seen with all of his tools. What will be successful for them? Look, they got to obviously win at least one championship throughout the course of this deal. I think that goes without saying. I think the debate is, well, is, is one enough for a team that has this payroll and the amount of money they've doled out to these players? Look, a, as a Yankee fan, I go back to like the, the two different 10-year deals Alex Rodriguez signed with the team. And ultimately, even though they won that one championship because A-Rod was the reason why the 2009 Yankees ultimately won the World Series, I look at it and go, you know what? It was successful because the Yankees haven't won since. So that contract maybe has aged well because you won that title. I think to fully grasp like what success looks like, we got to see how, how many total championships they win. And then maybe, well, what happens after the fact? But in the moment, they got to be competitive every year, which they were before Yamamoto and Otani. You would expect them to remain competitive now that those guys are a part of it. And I think they, they got to at least get to another World Series, and they yeah. got to at least win a World Series. Otherwise, it, you're going to look at it as a failure. You've got to win at least one championship no matter what, and I think the rest of the, the nuance to it is up for debate just depending on what it looks like over these next, as crazy as this sounds, 12 years of the Yamamoto <laughs> deal. LeBron, Wade, and Bosch, was that successful or a failure? I would say successful, right? They, right? they won two, went to four finals. Like That yeah. was, to me, successful. So they won two and went to four. And I kind of use that as my my gauge. If we're going to be doing super team conversations, like even the Boston Celtics, and I know that you know Garnett and, and the guys that went over there were a little bit older at the time, but they won one, right? I think you have to at minimum win one, and I think if you're the Dodgers, you have to go to multiple World Series. And I'm talking about if Yamamoto and Otani are together, let's say, for the next 10 years— you need to go to four, four or five World Series. You need to have four or five World Series appearances. And I think that there, there will be a lot of people that will view it 
as unsuccessful unless they win multiple championships. I don't know if I'm willing to say that. I just think it's so difficult to win a championship. I'm with you. I, I mean, the the example we could give is just like, hey, I mean, you haven't had a back-to-back winner since the, those late 90s Yankees teams. Yeah. You know, we talked about the Astros last segment, how great they've been during this run. You know, they won two, but it was kind of spread out. I, I mean, it's, it's it's hard. It's really hard. I mean, they that was an Astros team that was in the championship series seven straight years. They went to the World Series four times, and you know what? They won two of them. Like, that's that to me is successful. I mean, if the Dodgers do something similar – uh, I, I I don't know how you couldn't say it's successful. It's just it's hard to win. There's more playoff rounds than ever. There's it, it's seemingly more of a crapshoot than it's been. This is not the you know the old days where you know the best regular season records in the NL and the AL would advance right to the World Series. You have the wild card round. You have the divisional round. You have the championship round. It's hard. If they win at least one title, and I'm with you, they go to multiple World Series or it's two World Series appearances, and they win at least one over let's say the first six years of this deal because there's some opt outs in the Yamamoto contract as well. I think it's successful, but they got to win at least one. This is a Dodgers team that won the COVID championship in 2020, and if you're not a Dodger fan, there's plenty of fan bases that try to discredit just the value of that championship. I feel like every fan base that, like the Lakers won, everyone wants to try to disparage that one. Yeah, they everybody outside of whoever won that title during the, the pandemic, the, the 2020 year, everyone wants to disparage it. I think ultimately, yes. What's going to happen here, this is going to be a fascinating story as we go through this season. We're going to, I don't even know if we're going to be able to judge this though until Otani is able to be on the mound too, right? Because they're not, like you paid, well you're not really paying, but you're you're ultimately (laughs) going to pay $700 million for a guy in Otani that you expect to basically be two people. And that's why the $700 million being very deferred is something that people are looking at going, all right, this might work. But until we get complete Otani... With Yamamoto and all these guys, I'm not sure we know what this will end up being. When we get back, the two top scoring teams in the NFL, they will square off on Sunday. It is Amber and Ian. We are Keith and Jake. This is ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Big matchups this weekend in the NFL. In Miami, Dolphins and Cowboys. Two teams that can win the Super Bowl. Two teams that bring the same Achilles heel to the table. Who's going to beat a good team? Together, I think they're one in six against teams that are above 500. If somebody were to call the Miami Dolphins fraudulent, I can't blame them. You got to be able to beat quality teams in order to have a legitimacy attached to you. Is this the same old Cowboys that we've come in and watched end up in the playoffs and down the stretch and not ready to get it done? Is this the proverbial loser leaves town match? It is Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. It is Keith Irizarry and Jake Asman in for you. Uh, A big one in Santa Clara this Monday between the two top teams in the league. You'll tune in Monday Night Football between the Ravens and the Niners on Christmas Day, 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time on ABC and ESPN Plus. And that's a big one. Jake, we've got another one as well on Sunday night, 4.25 p.m. Eastern Time is the kickoff in Miami Dolphins. Point and a half favorite, Cowboys and the Dolphins. And I just think, Jake, there are so many levels to this matchup because there have been moments where the Cowboys look like they could win a Super Bowl. And there are moments where you're like, mm, yeah. And then there are moments that you look at the Dolphins and go, how do you stop them? And then there are moments where you go, mm, I like that. So from a broad stroke on this one, what do you need to see from these two teams to kind of make you maybe believe in them more? Well, first off, Keith, you're right. I mean, have you seen that uh, that that meme of like the two Spider-Mans pointing yes. at each other in the mirror? Does <laughs> that kind of feel like the, the Cowboys and the Dolphins here, right? I mean, like the biggest knock on the Dolphins has been, well, they haven't beaten a team with a winning record all year. They can't beat good teams. And that was the narrative with the Cowboys for most of this year until they, they beat the Eagles. But the way the Eagles have played right now, I know you're an Eagles fan. You know, maybe the Eagles are not as good as maybe their record indicates they are right now. I still think they're good, but, the, I mean, these two teams have had very similar type, uh, type of, you know, storylines and perceptions about them. You look at the quarterbacks, right? Two has been criticized a lot. You know, he can't win big games. Is he truly a franchise guy? It feels like Dak Prescott's talked about more than maybe any other quarterback in the country, good or bad. He's always under the, the spotlight because he has the star on his helmet. So this to me is a fascinating game, right? The Cowboys have struggled on the road all year. The Dolphins can't beat good teams. Something's got to give on Sunday when the Cowboys are in Miami. I, I, I think this should be a good game, but uh, I really don't know what to expect because the Cowboys looked so bad last week in Buffalo. And then you have a Dolphins team like, yeah, they bounced back after that debacle on Monday Night Football, but they played the Jets who, I mean, can't block anyone. You know, they can't, they can't stop a nosebleed. So I, I don't know what to make of this game. I know I'm supposed to have like a big opinion what we should expect. This to me is a, a huge toss-up one. I'm fascinated by this matchup, and it's going to be maybe the best game of the whole week, this or the game you were just talking about, that Monday night game with the Ravens and the Niners. I can't wait for this on, on Sunday. And I think it's fair to, to feel like that about this game because I'm kind of in the same boat here because you look at Dallas and you go, okay, plus 167-point differential. They're awesome. That's the second best in the league. Oh, Miami, plus 147-point differential. They're fourth in the NFL. That's awesome. But again, both of these teams struggling against good teams, but they're also good teams. And Tua, and I know we'll talk about that in about 10 minutes or so, his you know quote about receipts and stuff, because that has got you uh, fired up. We will get to that. That's a little tease for you, everybody out there. But then like you look at Dallas, and I always get... I worry when everyone in like the national media and the local media is saying that, well, is there a blueprint now? Do we know how to beat Dallas because Buffalo filled, like, filled us all in on it? I don't know. I don't know if there's a blueprint on any team. I think Dallas struggles on the road, and they had a bad game last week 
I think Miami has had some some highs and some lows, and we'll see what they do at home. Like I think that's what these two teams are. You're 100 percent right, and really outside of the Niners and I suppose the Ravens, who as we talked about, they're going to play coming up, and yeah. maybe that's a potential Super Bowl preview. Can I pick apart every team in the NFL this year and find like a bad loss, a bad moment, a weakness? It just feels like maybe this year there's more parity than we've seen. Like I I don't think we have dominant super teams like you could maybe argue it's the Niners but there was a stretch where they lost three in a row this year you know you could talk about the Ravens but you know they, they've had some ugly moments I mean they, they lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers earlier this year I mean I, they, they lost a, a weird overtime game to the Colts towards the beginning of the year you you take out those two teams though and you look at like the quote-unquote top contending teams in each conference there's flaws even the great Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs this is not the same vintage Chiefs team we're accustomed to seeing so uh, the, the Dolphins, to me, they're a good team that has to prove something. Cowboys, they always have to prove something because until they get to at least an NFC Championship game, every year the conversation with them is can they get to that game. So this game's fascinating because it really is kind of like that Spider-Man meme of these two teams kind of pointing at each other in the mirror. How about those road issues for the Dallas Cowboys? Here's Micah Parsons. It's a mindset of how you approach it. I think, uh, you know, when you're at home, you're comfortable. You're, you know, you kind of do what you do. Um, but when you're in a road, you're in a new space, you're in a new area, you're in a new area, you're in just a new environment. And uh, the mindset is when the Lions, you know, Roman, does he take over the land or does he die? And last week we, got, we died, so we got to take over some land this week. You're a lot younger than me. How do you feel about, like Micah Parsons and and a bunch of these you know current players that will host podcasts and you got the Kelseys and you you can go on and on and on, and there are times where they rip the media even though they're kind of part of the media because they're putting out a podcast. So again, I I say this because you've grown up in the podcast world. I'm a little bit older than you. Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting conversation, right? I mean, if they're entertaining and, and enjoyable to listen to, great. I'm all for it. I think the Kelseys actually have a great podcast because they don't just talk about football. They talk about life, pop culture. Obviously, the Taylor Swift phenomenon with Travis has been you know, a big part of their show. Micah Parsons, though, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and act like I've listened to his podcast, but I've seen clips online. He does this thing where he goes out of his way to like defend bad football players and then blame the media for why they're bad. And and I say this as like a, you know, disgruntled Jet fan who's watched enough Zach Wilson to last a lifetime. But like Micah Parsons does this thing where he he talks about Zach Wilson and acts as, as if it's the Jet fans and the media being too tough on him why he's statistically been one of the biggest busts in NFL history. So, I got no problem with an athlete giving an opinion. We're giving opinions on the radio right now. But then when we in the media give opinions. We're wrong because, oh, it's it's not actually what you think it is. This player is good, and you guys are wrong when, I don't know, we could just say a player is not good because they're not. So that's only my, that, that's my issue with Micah Parsons in general. But as far as athletes as a whole having a voice, I have no issue with it because we have a voice, so they have, yeah. they have a right to one too. I actually love the athletes talking, and I love the athletes doing podcasts, and I listen to a lot of them, and I love the athletes willing to to go on people's shows and talk and, and talk freely, and, and I, I don't even mind them you know, bashing the media every once in a while if you don't like what, what's being said. The one thing that has always bothered me is the the don't don't do the you didn't play the sport so you can't talk on it thing. I'm uh, That one, put that to the side. Otherwise, I like these athletes getting out there and, and being recognizable, especially football players too because they're wearing helmets. So a lot of times, except for the quarterbacks, like a lot of times you don't know what – 
insert player, what insert linebacker looks like, right? Now they have a voice and a face that you could put together because you're watching their podcast. I, that part of it I like. Are you into the, the TikTok phenomenon as well? A lot of these athletes now making crazy videos uh, before and after games on TikTok because that's the one social media platform I have not been able to figure I'm out. I'm not on TikTok. I, no. I couldn't help you there. Don't even yeah, know I, I'm not on TikTok. Uh, not something I'm on Instagram and Twitter X, whatever you want to call it. Sure. Uh, it took me forever before everyone got Facebook. I, I Actually, when I was back, uh, uh, this was what? 2016 or something when I was hosting an NBC sports radio, uh, they were like, you know, you need a Facebook. I'm like, I guess. All right. So I did Facebook, whatever. But uh, my oldest son, we let him have Instagram, but we control everything on the page. He's not allowed to do anything without our approval. Uh, as for TikTok, uh, yeah, I mean, I scroll through some of the stuff, but eh, it doesn't do much for me. I, you know what it is? As, as as I don't think I'm ever gonna be the guy. All right, here, what, this is the new TikTok dance. Let's hit it. Uh, like I'm not. I'm, that's not me. I'm not doing that. Well, look, you don't have to do it. Don't feel any pressure to do it. You and want me to do a TikTok dance? No, I, I I don't want you. I don't want to put you in any position you're not comfortable with, Keith. I fully support you. But come on, there was a but no, coming. No, there. no, but I I I am supportive. I, you don't have to join. TikTok. I, I, I respect the fact that you referred to Facebook as Facebook because my dad will call it the Facebook. I'm like, Dad, oh, it's it, actually just Facebook. There's no the. Well, I'm not that old. I, th I, don't, th I don't think I'm as old as your father. I hope no, no, not. No, no. You're, you're not old at all. Okay, good. All right. This, this would, Harry, behind the scenes, Harry, this was just about to get awkward. Did you hear that? <laughs> I, th I, I couldn't tell if he was trying to say I was the same age as his dad, Harry. I, I, all I heard was the Facebook, and the first thing I thought was I thought it was called the Facebook. I think originally. Originally like it was called 03. the Facebook, yeah. Yeah. Like the what was the movie? The Social Network with Social uh, Network, yep. Uh, who who played Mark Zuckerberg and that was Andy Eisenberg? Was that the actor's name? I Jesse. don't know if his name is Jesse. Andy. Yeah. Okay. Jesse, yes. That's when it was the Facebook. My dad still refers to it as the Facebook. And then like. Justin Timberlake tells him to drop the the. That's right. Yeah. Justin is that right? Timberlake. I think yeah. so, yeah. Justin Timberlake, the guy who he was playing. The actor, yeah. Not actually Justin Timberlake back in two thousand. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then, I mean, but then, th think about it. All the iterations of social media. I mean, there was, like, MySpace, which I was not on. Uh, Jake is looking at, for peel back the curtain, everybody, we could see each other uh, <laughs> on this. Jake is looking at me like, I don't know what MySpace is. There was Friendster, I think. Friendster was a thing. Yeah, and Jake is like, TikTok all the way, Snapchat. Let's go. I mean, remember LimeWire to get your music? I mean, yes. you know, it had, to, it had to be done. You know, I, I wasn't going to use Apple iTunes or whatnot. I, you know, I, I had no money. I couldn't have 99 cents to pay for a song. Wait, LimeWire was still around when you were able to yeah. do well, Oh, love LimeWire. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah, LimeWire. You just get as many viruses to your <laughs> uh, computer as possible. You got to get that Blink-182 song, man. Who cares how many viruses you get? I guess, I guess that is very true. Thank you, Harry. Thank you. All right, it is Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Uh, you can always hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. He is Jake. I am Keith. When we get back, so Tua was talking this week, and there was something he said that caught Jake's attention. I have a feeling we may get a rant. Keep it locked right here. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Sweet tunes. Oh, yeah. It's Jake and Keith with you. ESPN Radio. The ESPN app. Jake's fired up. I, you know, we're, we're going with some soft music just to kind of try to mellow him out a little bit. Because Tua Tonga Vailoa, what are you keeping tabs of? What are you doing, Tua? Go. I keep receipts. We all, we all have, have, have a way of how we do things, but all the narratives about it, I am, yeah, sure. I am only good with Tyreek and I, that you're right. I am, that is the only time I am at my best. You're right. I'm only good when Jalen's in. I, 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 <laughs> I could care less about it. Like, sure. Uh, if Jalen and those guys are not, like, I'm only as good as Raheem Mostert allows me to be. Like, that's what the narrative needs to be. And we're able to win games and we're able to go where we want to go as a team. I am the worst football player, if that's what you want. Like, I don't care. So whatever it is, whatever you need on your show, take clips out, out of what I just said. Do it. Do what you need to do. Like, that, I'm just here to do my job, and my job is to help our guys win games. And, well, Tua, we did take some clips. There it is. That was a 46-second clip there. And before I let Jake kind of go off on this one, it's, it's could not care less. If you could care less, that means there is more that you could care less. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a grammatical thing. It is, you know, it's, uh, it's a labor of love. Anyway, all right, so Jake, uh, you listened to that from Tua, and he's keeping receipts, but he could not care less. Feel free. The floor is yours, brother. Well, well, first, I'd like to congratulate Tua on becoming a producer here at ESPN Radio. Ooh, right? He said, oh, you know, you, you could take my quotes and use it on your show. So, you know, we're going to we're going to use it on Amber and Ian right here. I, I mean, <laughs> anyone who says that they're keeping receipts, but then in the same answer says, I really don't care. I mean, come on. Come on. And, and here's the thing. I'm not, I actually like Tua as a person. He seems like a nice guy. But wh- why are you putting a target on yourself? Because. Anytime the Dolphins now lose, people are now going to use this as ammunition to go after Tua even more, and it clearly bothers him, so you're just kind of feeding into it, right? It's like if you allow the, the bully to know that it's bothering you, the bully's just going to keep doing it, and that's kind of what I feel like Tua's doing here. Like, he, he hears the criticism, which is fine. A lot of athletes do, and they use that as motivation, but by saying it publicly, I think he does more harm than good. Like, I don't think this is going to allow him to play better. I think it just shows that he's he's listening too much to the outside noise here. And if they lose, I to am the, Cowboys, the worst football player. <laughs> and if they lose to the Cowboys on on Sunday, I, I mean, there's going to be people saying, "Oh, keep the receipts," and then probably going to be people posting the final score from the game. So I, I just I think it was a sign of immaturity here, and it does more harm than good him saying this publicly. Because once again, you say you don't care in the same answer you're talking about how you're keeping receipts on what everyone is saying about you, meaning you do care to us. Well, so, Jake, come on. you host a lot in New York, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a, a certain bald-headed coach that a lot of people think I look like that is keeping <laughs> receipts as well, huh? Yeah, you know, you might have a better record than uh, the, the the Jets coach. Robert I haven't Sala. lost a game yet this year. That's I'm right. just letting you know. I mean – What's Robert Sala now? Sixteen and thirty-three. Like you could do better than that, Keith. I think I could. Yeah, actually, I, I coach flag football at a much higher rate. I do. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, you'd, you'd be better prepared for what Tua and the Dolphins just did this past week against the Jets. I'll tell you that much. One hundred percent. Now, listen. So when people and I think you you nailed most of it there. 
when people get defensive about things, it's because it's bothering them. And I, I know that's just like an easy way to say it because we are allowed to be offended. Like as human beings, things are allowed to bother us and we are allowed to be offended. And I think that there's way too many moments in in this world where we just view professional athletes, he's a robot, she's a robot, they do not have emotions. They're allowed to have emotions. But when you do what Tua did there, you're opening up everything for shows like this, radio, television, to now discuss this and see how much it bothers you. And the fact that, I mean, honestly, Tua hasn't won anything on no. the NFL level. And also, Keith, this year they haven't won anything as far as like beating a good team. They, they haven't beaten a team with a winning record in over a year. And, like, look, Tua's going to talk all this trash. You beat the Jets last week who started, you know, Zach Wilson before they had to go to Trevor Simeon because, you know, the, J the Jets' offensive line allowed, like, 15 pressures on, like, 17 dropbacks in the first half. So, like, I, I'm going to come across as a hater because I root for a team that's in the Dolphins division, but, like, the Dolphins have not done anything yet. Like, go beat the Cowboys on Sunday and then say this about the receipts. But to say it after you're coming off a win over, you know, the 5-9 and nine Jets, the, the words just ring, uh, just ring hollow when you're going to say it after that game. You know, like, say yeah. this after you beat a good team, not the Jets who have played, you know, arguably, you know, one of the worst offenses in, like, the, the, the modern era. Like, no one wants to hear it. Let's go to the phone lines. Uh, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Let's go to Michael from Dallas. Uh, clearly probably wants to weigh in on the Cowboys. What's up, Michael? How you doing? Hey, what's going on, guys? How y'all doing? Very well, very well. What, what's on your mind tonight? Man, so I'm a big Cowboys fan, right? And it's tough year after year, you know, going out one 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 lost in the playoffs every year just getting the playoffs and then we're out just like that i feeling the last couple of weeks you know i was feeling pretty high on the cowboys so i'm like okay this is this is kind of feeling a little bit different and i felt kind of tricked out felt like i got tricked out on that bills game didn't really see that coming what do you guys think is going to happen um at this dolphins game well, all right. So first, can I ask you a question rather than answer yours first? So with the yeah. Bills game, do you think that's an outlier or are you worried now that that is your team, the Dallas Cowboys? Um, I think it, I think we just had a bad game, you know, like yeah. you guys have been saying. Um, you know, it's hard to play um, at away, away games. I actually played uh, college football at Memphis and, you know, Last uh, 2022, we went down to Mississippi State, and I mean, it's it's hard playing away games. I mean, you got the freaking cowbells, freaking rolling, sold out stadium. It's hard to play away games um, for sure. But I'm I'm hoping it was just kind of a one-off thing. Hopefully, we can kind of learn some le lessons and uh, bounce back this week against the Dolphins. Yeah, Michael, and thanks for the call. I mean, look. We talked about this last segment. I think if you go through maybe every team in the league this year, you could find flaws. Like, I, I truly do believe the Cowboys are a lot better than what they showed last week. That being said, if you want to get the buyback in from people believing this team's a legitimate Super Bowl contender, this is where you now got to bounce back. You have another yeah. bad performance in a row. You do start to question a lot here. But here, here's probably the most difficult aspect for the Cowboys, Keith, as far as their chances of getting to an NFC title game and going on a run. You look at the Eagles' schedule as poorly as they played. Two of their final three are against the Giants. It does kind of feel like, given the Eagles' schedule versus the Dallas schedule, 
with the Eagles needing to lose a game and the Cowboys having to win out, like the Eagles are still in position to win the NFC East. And if that happens, you know the Cowboys are going to have to go on the road throughout the playoffs. So that could be the most difficult aspect of their quest to getting to a title game. The fact that they're going to have to go on the road and, and probably at some point go into San Francisco and play a team that's been their kryptonite the last three years. Jake, I still find it so odd that certain teams struggle so mightily on the road. Like, I, I've always felt like, and again, I know I did not play it at the highest level, but I always felt like if you can play that sport, your game should travel no matter what. Now, weather could be an issue, but the Dallas Cowboys haven't run into any, like, they haven't played in any snowstorms. It's a, That hasn't been an issue. No, it, it, it really hasn't. It's just... It's tough because just when you start to believe in the Cowboys, they they lay an egg like that. That's why yeah. I think this is a huge opportunity for them, for really the Dolphins as well. But from a Cowboy perspective, who's the real Cowboys? Let's see if they show up on Sunday and can rebound and do something they haven't done well all year, play well on the road. Phone lines are lighting up. We'll get to you guys and also talk about the Steelers and Mike Tomlin. Hmm, very interesting. Amber and Ian, ESPN Radio, ESPN The App.